everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of Charts at Billboard. And joining me, as always, is Billboard's deputy editor, Digital Katie Atkinson. Hi, Katie. Hey, Keith. How are you? Good. Yourself? I am swell. Did you have a lovely weekend? Absolutely. How about yourself? It was fine. It seems like it was too short. Always. Which I know seems like a constant complaint, but it actually seems like it was always physically too short. I don't know if it's just because of the time difference that we recently had. Now it seems like it's getting lighter. I don't know. I'll just complain about it being too short. (laughs) Um, Well, anyway, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we'll be talking about the music moments from this past week's March for Our Lives rallies, along with chart news about Tentacion. Lil Dicky, Chris Brown, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and Ben Platt. In addition, we've got an interview with the singer-songwriter M.N.E.K. The artist who has pinned hits for such acts as Beyonce and Dua Lipa is now prepping the release of his debut studio album, which is due out later this year. We chat all about the new album, its single Tongue, and some of his most famous collaborations, so stick around for that a little bit later. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode, and give us a rating or review while you're at it. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. Let's run the Billboard chart numbers and do the chart chat. Here are three of the biggest headlines on the charts, at least according to me. First up, singer-rapper XXXTentacion notches his first number one album on the Billboard 200 chart as his second studio effort. Question mark? I guess that's what we're calling it. Um, second studio effort? Uh, <laughs> Maybe you should just use it in every sentence with an question, question mark. mark. Um, it's just literally the question mark sign. Yeah. That's all it is. So it's one character. Um, the set starts with 131,000 equivalent album units earned in the week ending March 22nd, according to Nielsen Music. And of that sum, just 20,000 were in traditional album sales. Most of it was driven by streams, which is sort of par for the course for hip-hop albums of this nature. Um, Katie, mm-hmm. can you name some of the other number one albums on the Billboard 200 with just one character in their title? Like Ed Sheeran's entire discography, for instance? Well, let's let's put Ed Sheeran aside. <laughs> He's a little confusing because his last album is sort of called Divide. With a division symbol. But it was kind of... Multiply with the X. Yeah, but multiply plus, and plus did not plus. go to number one. Okay, okay. So let's Those put... Those are Ed, not out of there. Let's put Ed Sheeran aside. Okay. Um, are we counting... Uh, let's see. Oh, just one character. One. I mean, Prince, the symbol? Was that number one? No, it wasn't. <laughs> okay. Um, hmm... That I'm striking out with anything else. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. Maybe some artists? Or give me like... The Beatles. Oh, the Beatles had a symbol? Or, uh, just one character. Character. Oh, one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just one character. Just one character. <laughs> uh, Beyonce. Um. Wow. Mm-hmm. Four. Yep. <laughs> uh, keeping in line with that, Foreigner. Four. Yep. And Om- our... Omarion? <laughs> no, no. Oh. oh. It's just oh. I guess I was, if I had to guess, oh. Maroon 5. Oh, the V? Yep. A.K.A. 5. There you go. That Those would be um, 
the six definitive one character titles if we if we don't sort of figure out the ed sheeran divide thing in this in in this conversation we're just going to put ed sheeran aside sorry ed you're confusing with your divide (laughs) stuff only because it's like depending on where you look like on the spine of the album on the cover it has divide spelled out oh really that's interesting yeah but also on the cover it has a big divide symbol but it's Mm. actually spelled out divide Mm. whereas his two earlier albums were just just the symbols were just the symbol and didn't spell out plus or multiply what's next equals equals that's nice yeah especially he's getting married it's like he and his wife are equals he can write all these songs about like relationships or maybe it's just a trilogy like adele and she's gonna stop with 19 21 25 that's fair no more numbers for her yeah yeah um all right by the way uh, next week look for jack white to open at number one on the billboard 200 with his new album boarding house reach such an odd title it must mean something Hmm. and i should know what that means with jack white it always does um industry forecasters expect the album to launch with maybe around 120,000 units most of which should actually be in traditional album sales Helped by sales from a concert ticket was album it a, was redemption. Was it a ticket bundle? A ticket bundle? A ticket bundle? <laughs> um, and I expect that his um, debut week in vinyl LPs will actually be pretty big, too. Mm. Um, he generally sells a whole ton of vinyl. Indeed. So I look forward to that robust number next week. Those whole third man records. Lots of vinyl. Yeah. Um, next up, Little Dicky and Chris Brown team up for a left field top 10 hit on the Billboard Hot 100. As Freaky Friday bows at number nine, um, the song, which is credited to Little Dicky featuring Chris Brown, um, uh, its good fortunes on the chart are enhanced by a popular video starring, of course, Little Dicky and Brown as they switch bodies, inspired by the film uh, Freaky Friday. Well, films. There's, yeah. there's been a couple Freaky Fridays. I had an intern write up a story about this, and she's like, it's from the 2000-whatever film. I'm like, well, and the movie with Jodie Foster and the book that was, that movie was based on, etc." Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the song also bows at number four on the streaming songs chart with 26.5 million streams. And it also starts at number three on the digital song sales chart with 38,000 downloads. Um, what do you think of the video, Katie? I actually saw I was a little bit late on this, but I've seen it. I saw it a couple days ago. Mm. You saw it, I think, the first day. Yeah. Um, and I have complicated feelings on it. Me too. As everything with Chris Brown. Um, but it's really fun. Yeah. Like, and the song is very catchy. And um, I've been singing it all weekend in my mind. Wow. Specifically, and this is like a pseudo spoiler alert for people who haven't seen it. But oh. the, the part at the end that features Ed Sheeran mm-hmm. is the part that sticks in my head. Like where he's like, <laughs> um, and now I'm in Ed Sheeran's body. It's way less fun than being Chris Brown was. <laughs> and I just sing that in my well, head. Well, luckily, Katie only <laughs> spoiled one of the surprise Yes, there cameras, are other cameos. Which we're not going to tell you about. Yes. Um, but, you know, it's super fun. It's super watchable. I have, I'm not at all surprised that it is, like, I'm, maybe I'm surprised that it's top 10. But I'm not surprised that it's, like, successful because I've watched it, I don't know, 10 times. I've showed it to people. Wow, okay. Yeah, it's pretty great. That's why you have such conflicted feelings because exactly. you're such a fan of it. Mm-hmm. But then there's Chris Brown. Well, and, and that is actually addressed in the video. Like, uh, yes. You know, because, like, he, it, it's because I think I think not only is it just sort of, oh, ha-ha funny, Chris Brown and Lil Dicky switch bodies. Mm-hmm. But the lyrics themselves are actually quite insightful to just sort of the whole both Chris Brown and Little Dicky sort of scenarios where Chris because of because of how Little Dicky is now in Chris you know Chris Brown is now in Little Dicky's body and you know it's just 
the commentary that they have about Chris Brown's sort of career and like, oh, I'm a light skinned black. Oh, you know, no one can. Well, he, and no well, one will, like, he, you know, harass me about my you know previous controversial past. Controversial past. And also, Lil Dicky, like I should say, Chris Brown as Lil Dicky, <laughs> like beats the bouncer over the head with a bottle, which is something that you know Chris Brown probably would do. And and maybe. Chris Brown plays long in this whole thing. So yeah. maybe he's at a spot now where he's able to like acknowledge his past and completely move on from it because in previous interviews, et cetera, he wasn't in that place. So that's good. Right. Yeah. There's that. Yeah. Um so anyway, um this actually is the first top ten for Little Dicky and the fourteenth top ten for Brown, um, and his first since 2014's Loyal. So it's been a second since he's been in the top ten. Uh lastly at the top of the Hot 100, Drake's God's Plan is still number one for a ninth week. We didn't forget about Drake. Mm-hmm. Um, while BB Rexa and Florida Georgia Lines meant to be edges closer to the top, rising four to two. Can they make it to number one? If it's meant to be, meant to be, it'll be. That's what that's what'll happen if it's meant to be. Well, that's a good way of putting it. Because <laughs> I'm going to say probably not. Because God's Plan is so freaking huge. But hey, you never know. Um, meanwhile... <laughs> Farther down the list, two favorites of Broadway team up as Tony Award winners Lin-Manuel Miranda and Ben Platt team up for the uh, duet. Did I say team up enough? I'm going to say it (laughs) one more time. They team up for a duet of Found Tonight. Uh, It's actually Found Slash Tonight. Uh, It takes a bow at number 49. The track is a mashup of two songs from the artist's respective Tony-winning musicals, Hamilton's The Story of Tonight and Dear Evan Hansen's You Will Be Found. Miranda wrote and starred in Hamilton, while Platt starred in Dear Evan Hansen, whose Found was written by friends of the podcast, Binge Pasek and Justin Paul. Um, it's the fourth Hot 100 hit for Miranda and the first for Platt. And a portion of all proceeds from Found Tonight benefit the March for Our Lives initiative. Which, speaking of Lynn and Ben, uh, the duo performed Found Tonight at March for Our Lives over the weekend. It's like we set this up or something. It is like that. It's because like as our, our biggest news stories of the of the last few days have definitely revolved around the March for Our Lives, there were a, a million music moments there, um, including Lynn and Ben performing Found Tonight for the first time. Uh, Lynn Manuel actually wrapped up the performance by telling the tens of thousands gathered in Washington, D.C., we love you, don't give up. Among the many other music moments included a performance of Be All Right from Ariana Grande. Um, Ariana is actually from Boca Raton, Florida, which is adjacent to Parkland, where the mass school shooting that prompted the march took place. Um, Jennifer Hudson also performed singing Bob Dylan's The Times They Are Changing with a DC choir, as you can imagine, very powerful performance. And you might remember that Jennifer actually lost her mom, brother, and nephew in a fatal shooting years back, so she definitely had a, a personal connection to the cause. Um, And she said to the crowd, uh, we all came here for change today. We're all here for a reason. We've all got a story. We've all got a purpose. And we all want change. Uh, Miley Cyrus also performed in D.C. She went back into her archives to perform The Climb. Hmm. uh, And she held a sign that read never again throughout the performance. Um, Demi Lovato performed her emotional song Skyscraper. Common and Andrew Day performed their Oscar-nominated song Stand Up for Something. While Vic Mensa did Now We Could Be Free. And finally, in one of the most powerful moments of the day, um, the drama club and the choir from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School um, in Parkland, where that shooting took place, uh, they performed the song "Shine." Uh, What's "Shine"? It's it was a song I think that they that they wrote like an original, the, yeah. Okay. 
I was like a cover of Collective Soul. No. Okay. Mm-mm. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was just I've, that list of talent is unbelievable. Were, and were and were they all in DC? Yeah, all those. Oh, yeah, wow. those were all in DC. I'm sure I, that there were performances throughout the country, but these ones were in DC. I wonder. I wonder if anyone's thought of the idea, or maybe it, I mean, I'm sure someone did. It's like, can you take all those, slap them on an album, and start selling it for charity? Man, I mean, I'm sure Ariana Grande is probably ready to be done having to fight for all these causes that she's having to fight for. But, like, you know, she definitely led the the cause when it came to the Manchester United concert. And that obviously became successful streaming songs. And, um, you know, this could definitely go the same route, it would seem. Um, There are also musicians that were just attending that Mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily there. Oh, Paul McCartney. I mean, probably the one that got a lot of attention was Paul McCartney, who was uh, in the crowd, I I guess. No, in New York. He was in Central Park. um, And CNN interviewed him and said, you know, do you think any change can be made, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he said something and then, you know, Paul basically said, you know, I lost one of my best friends to gun violence violence and not too far away from here, Mm -hmm. referring obviously clearly to John Lennon, who Mm -hmm. was shot and killed, um, not too far away from where Paul was standing. And um, so, I mean, you know, everyone can debate, um, you know, sort of the difference between John Lennon being killed by one single person with, you know, one gun versus, you know... you know, the Parkland shooting massacre. But I'm like, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's all relating to gun violence. Yeah. And, and can are there things that can sort of logically be achieved with sort of more further gun safety, gun you know, sensible gun laws, and that sort of thing? Well, and he actually said in that same interview, like, because they asked, what do, you, what do you want to be done? And he's like, I'm like everybody else. Like, I just know something needs to be done. Yeah, something. And, Let's... you know, the people who are marching, some of them, are most of them are not politicians or you know, maybe you don't know all the intricacies of like guns and ammo and all this sort of stuff, but they know that like one person dying is enough, you know, and now 17 people dying at this shooting, John Lennon dying, Jennifer Hudson's family dying. Like it's, you know, it's all related and it's all. Yeah. It's on, it's it's on the spectrum. Yes, indeed. So very emotional, um, very emotional Saturday to say the least. Well, now it is time for our interview with MNEK. The singer-songwriter recently dropped by The Office to talk all about his new single and video for Tongue and how he wanted a full-on pop star video. And truly, it is a very full-on pop star video. Very colorful, very fun. You should definitely check it out if you haven't yet. Yes. Uh, We also talked about his upcoming debut album, um, his experience in writing music with Beyonce and Madonna, uh, how he wrote Dua Lipa's IDGAF (laughs) in Las Vegas on his first trip to Sin City, and so much more. So, take a listen to our chat with MNEK. Well, welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast, MNEK. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am swell. Thank you so much for coming in. It's been it's been a, a minute since we've been trying to get you onto the show, so thank you so much for making this happen. It's a pleasure. Yay. And it's perfect timing because you just released the video for your song, Tongue. Yeah. And it's so much fun. Thank you. Um, it's basically, you know, you telegraphing your desire for this man <laughs> at this fabulous dinner party. Um, you know, Wait, see, can we swear on this podcast? Yes, yeah. you may. You're on the internet. It's you can swear. Basically, I fucking. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of like what the, yes. the, the the premise of it was. <laughs> we, were, yeah. we were saying it in a slightly cleaner fashion. <laughs> but I fucking's fine. Uh, can you kind of talk us through the video and how it came to be? 
Um, well, basically, I was finishing my, my album and uh, Bradley and Pablo uh, hit me up on Instagram and said, we are, we've always been fans of your stuff and we'd love to do work with you on something. The directors of the video. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, and uh, I've always been a fan of their stuff and it just happened. I was like, I said yes. But I was like, absolutely. And um, I played them stuff from the album and the one they resonated with most was Tongue, actually. And then uh, when it came down to playing the album for the label, the label loved Tang. And so uh, they got them on board and I said to them, I really wanted the video to capture like, uh, you know, a sexual tension and just a, a kind of a restraint. And then when that bursting out and coming in and out of that, and they came with this treatment of a dinner party and uh, it going in between reality and fantasy. And that was the premise of the video. And um I was obsessed with it and so the video came to be I got to bring in my friends in the video shoot and uh, and it was an amazing shoot I had the best time so the people at the table are your friends or the, are the dancers some of you? them some of them are my friends so, well some of them are like people like Becky Hill and AME's in the video as oh, well oh uh, Leo Kalyan, like you know that it's like a whole all my career there so it's, it, was, it was really fun wow. and uh I did. Then I have my dancers who have like kind of assigned as like to be a part of the camp. Like, there's going to be like following me throughout the whole thing. So, uh-huh. yeah, you yeah. get to dance a lot in this I'm video too. In the video. Well, you seem pretty pumped about getting that. You know, getting you tweeted a little bit about how excited you were about dancing yeah. in the video. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was really excited. Were you like the, living your dream in this video, basically. Oh yeah. Well, because I did. I I really wanted a pop star video, and I think like I I think in the past. A lot of my videos, I've, uh, f- for one reason or another, it's just been a case of me not being in it a lot and it being like very much like, oh, like the cool uh, concept. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I was just like, I don't really, I want like a really just a pop star moment where it's just, mm-hmm. it looks slay from start to finish. Did you- and so. I feel like that's what this one is. Was, this, was there a lot of... I apologize for cutting you off. I was just going to no, say, was cool. there a lot of, like... Did you do a lot of rehearsing with the choreography beforehand? And It was four days of rehearsal. Four days of rehearsal, wow. Yeah, and it was... The the the, the first day was actually really hard because it was, like... I, I hadn't done the moves before, and I was really... Because whenever I don't get something right, I'm a bit, like... I bring myself down Mm -hmm. but when the boys came in and when it was uh, like as it got like closer to the video shoot I I was really really enjoying it and like we got to learn like a whole routine from start to finish not one that's even in the video but one to to know that's even something that we can do like for the live shows Uh and stuff like is so exciting it was so cool to see you all line up and do this sort of like Something that you would totally see, like, Beyonce do, like, basically, like, you know, for, like, you know where you're all lined up together and start, sort of doing, like, a booty bump sort of thing happening. I thought that was really cool. That's the technical term for it. The booty bump. Booty bump. Booty bump. Okay. Um, I mean, you, you kind of, you know, you kind of mentioned this, you know, you could have easily made an abstract video or, like, a performance video. Um, but instead, you, you, you made a video that where you're, you're specifically showing how you want another guy. Um, what, was that important for you to kind of be like, no, I, I really want to like show like me eye fucking this dude. <laughs> I just I wanted it to I wanted it to feel real, yeah. I, and I wanted it to to really uh, take things to the next level. And I think there's only so much like uh, just performance stuff you can do that can look interesting. I'm very conscious that uh, a music video is beyond just a promotional tool for a, a song 
it's uh, you know it takes a song to the next level and it, and it gives song a new life and I felt the only way I could do that is if I had a, a really a great storyline but something that was like stylistic and really eye catching and right. Brady and Pablo are like that's their like that is their bread and butter like they know how to do that more than anyone and so I was I was so pumped to get to do this with them and work like so closely and uh, making the video that I really wanted to have um and speaking as a gay person i'm like super stoked that like we are in this time right now where we can actually have like pop stars who are out and like making videos that are like cool and sexy yeah and i mean like we're in the era now in the few months we've had like a video from you and troy savan doing my 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 and it's just ridiculous and ollie as well years and, and years yeah. ollie like grinding all over the place in the sanctify video yes it's like do you it's just i just there's no question there. I just think it's really cool how far like pop music has come like in just recent years, don't you think? Absolutely. I feel like it's it's really great. Um and it also just it's it's fun because like we're living out our dreams. Yeah. You know, we're living out we're doing everything that we always wanted to do and with no inhibition. Uh and that will help someone else do the same thing. Yeah. And that can only be like positive things. I think that's a do us us doing us for the greater good is like the best thing we can do. Yeah. And that absolutely. goes for Troy, that goes for Ollie, that goes for Sam even, like, you know, for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about your album. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's coming out coming out later this year on Capitol. Um was we- an album project always something that you had been striving for and and what does it sound like it is and <laughs> and you know the sad thing and, and the thing is because i've said it so much like i've shot myself in the foot and said that oh it's coming out this year it's coming out this year oh yeah we yeah we we always know those dates i know move. i'm so for all intents purposes it's definitely coming out this year sometime in 2018 um, right and um i'm so proud of it it's as you know tongue is uh literally just one piece of the puzzle and I'm so excited to show that this album is something that I've worked on, uh, you know, over the course of my entire career and just something that I've been discovering myself in it and building up the confidence to talk about the things I'm talking about. And uh, I had to have experience, you know what I mean? Because I've been doing this since I was 14. Right. So then it's like, you know, I couldn't write about anything at 14, you had to so live some life. I had to live some life, and I definitely lived some life. I was in a relationship. I came out of the relationship. Uh, for better or for worse, uh, you know, I learned a lesson, and multiple lessons, and things about myself. And I got to spend time with myself. And I think that time with myself was a crucial part in me really finalizing the album and being able to, like, deliver it. How old are you now, by the way? I'm 23. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> so at fourteen, you signed your first publishing deal, right? Yeah. Wow, that's nuts. Did you, and, but but oh, I, I was—I mean, I'm curious. Did you like finish school and everything, or were you just like finished, professional from fourteen? Onwards? I finished high school. I like I was like you know did my GCSEs. I did that, but then I didn't go to like college or anything like that. I was I, was, I had a job. You can so. always go back. There's always you know if you wanted to like you know. I was really itching to leave. <laughs> like, I, I, I did write for my parents by staying to the GCSEs right. and just for my own, like, mental kind of, like, security. But uh, I remember at that time being so anxious and just looking at the calendar and just waiting for, for the summer to end. I think you made an okay choice. Yeah, you're it doing seems fine. Like I'm doing out. cool now. By the grace of God. Yeah, with all the success that you've had in the past few years, um, you know, with your collaborations with other artists and yes. songwriting for other artists... Um, was it was it nice to just focus on your own project? It's been fun. I tell it's it's fun, but you know what? I think 
um, more and more, I'm just learning that like this is just this is all all these pieces are my life, and like obviously right now as I'm talking to you, this is like me in uh, artist mode and talking about me and and keeping it quite exclusive in that way, mm-hmm. but uh, generally it's like. Uh, whether it's songs I'm writing for other people, whether it's songs I'm doing BVs on or producing or whatever, you know, this is all, all I'm supposed to be doing is being the music guy. And I, I do music. And if you see MNEK, you see he's, he does music. <laughs> and uh, in whatever variety that is, as long as it's out there and as long as people see my name next to it, I have no problem with it. It's, I just, You're creating. It's, I'm creating, and this is all I'm ever supposed to do. I'm not going to have a... I don't want a nine-to-five. <laughs> <laughs> so. the, um, the the music on the album, and we, we may have heard some songs. One or two or a three songs. We can't actually talk about what we heard. But I'm curious, <laughs> um, do you, for your own project, do you co-write with other people, or do you sort of all keep it self-contained with just sort of you and, like, producers or something? Well, I've I've produced a whole record. I've had some co-production and additional production from uh, friends and people that have helped co-write the music as well. Um, but it's been quite a tight um, uh, group. I didn't think it was... I didn't have it really an, an A&R for this album. So it was really just me wow. kind of like uh, uh, figuring out what it is myself. And that involved uh, the writing on the, on the album being primarily me, uh, my good friend Ryan Ashley... Uh, you know, uh, and calling on just, and also just the situation, because like, you know, with all the stuff that I've done, all this album has really come from me writing in between it. Mm -hmm. So it's been more so just like, uh, I'm not going to set up a session for myself. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, you know, I have to show up at this time and write a song. Like, it's not, unless I have an idea where I'm just like, okay, I'm making time to, to do this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was very much spurred the moment a lot of these songs, and uh, you know, inspired by something where it was just um, instinct. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there has been co-writes and and co-production and uh, collaboration in that regard. Um, well, I I I can't not talk to you and without asking about some of the folks that you have worked with. Oh yeah, if you don't mind. Um, Let's chat. Um, oh, good. Floodgates are open. We'll be here for the next hour. Um, no, I, I'm kidding. Um, you've worked with a lot of folks. Um, I, I want to ask you about three specific artists. Okay. Um, I can take a guess her. Well, let's not guess because you might guess the wrong people. Okay. Um, well, right now you have a hit with Dua Lipa. Miss Girl. With yes. a IDGAF. Um, it's blowing up the charts right now, and Dua is turning into this like phenomenon. Um how did that track come together? Did Was it like a writing session that you were sort of put into with her or was it organic or how did it happen? First of all, can I just say like, I haven't really ever heard anyone say the title of the song out loud. Yeah, I was just, actually, I tried <laughs> so, to say it earlier. It's hard to say it without just saying, I don't give a fuck. Well, like, yeah, it's just like, I don't give a fuck. I, I was I've staring at the letters. I'm like, I want to make right. sure I say them. Absolutely. I mean, I don't give a fuck, but then it's like when you hear on the radio, they say IDGAF and it's like, okay. Right. It's a bit of a mouthful, and I didn't really think about that when I was yeah. But, I mean, when it came down to writing that song, it was um, actually in a writing camp last year that we wrote it, um, like a Warner Chapel thing, because I'm, I'm signed to Warner Chapel and Publishing. Was it here in LA, or was it... It was in Vegas. Vegas? Yeah, it was wow. my first time in Vegas, and there was a studio in um, the Palms. Oh, oh wow. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so I had the best time, and we wrote so many amazing songs, and one of them was um, I Don't Go Fuck. Mm-hmm. And so... I rewrote that, and then uh, literally like the week, like the couple days after we wrote it, do as people heard it, and 
um, she loved it. And then I had a session with her separately to um, finish it and rewrite some lyrics. And because she's she's a writer, yeah, yeah. and she uh, had ideas and had things that she definitely wanted to. She didn't want to sound. She was so uh, uh, aware of how she wanted to be. Uh, coming across in the song mm-hmm. and there was even like if the, the few changes that were there were so crucial to her and definitely were like uh, from the point of view and I, I can only respect that because she could have just sung the song as it was and no one would have known the difference but she, those changes were, were key huh. um, and uh, so we finished the song and it became that and it's, it was the single and uh, yeah and then I, I, just, I was just at a writing camp with her in Jamaica and uh, mm work on us some as new you stuff do. as you do mm-hmm. in the rain it was raining in Jamaican oh. now if that can inspire a song I don't know what well it would inspire us to stay inside <laughs> <laughs> so we were there and uh, but we wrote some great stuff and Do is amazing like, she's she's really talented and deserves the success that she is having currently and I'm guessing that you would have one of your guesses would have been Beyonce that we were going to yeah. ask about. So how about Beyonce? <laughs> totally. Um, you co-wrote "Hold Up" on her Lemonade album. Yes. Were Were you ever physically in a space with her when you were doing this, or did or... you sign a non-disclosure agreement right. and you can't talk yeah, about right. it? Well, I actually <laughs> did sign a, a, a non-disclosure agreement pretty much every time I was. Uh, <laughs> there was a camp that we did and those but then that's like fair you know uh, what yes, I mean it's right. like that's for the in regards to like the recording process right. and that's how that, she can like, actually surprise people exactly. with that like releases. I don't like I think she was saying it in very much like a, a joking way in that song like she isn't gonna go around in a club with an unscheduled agreement right that's, I was like I don't know she might I don't know <laughs> maybe it's on like DocuSign who knows I'm but like, like I believe Beyonce at this point I don't know that came about so uh I with the Warner Chapel thing, it was very much that I got introduced to her because um, we share the same publisher and they, uh, John Platt was like, he loved my music and wanted me to meet her and catch a vibe. And she had a song, she had Hold Up, she had the chorus of it already and mm. it was now about coming up with verses and sections for it. Um, and so I'd, uh, I'd met her and she was really amazing. I played her some music and uh, I went back to London and I'd basically written a whole song and uh, around this chorus. And um, then uh, she heard it and then she liked a couple sections from that. And uh, she liked the one section, the, the baby, such a shame, you know, this good love goes. Yes. Well, she liked that, <laughs> that bit and uh, used that for the middle eight. And... Um, I guess it's like this is this is it. I think all of those things, as far as like constructing a song, are so key to what you hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, it's her performing the song, and she knows what she wants to perform. And uh, uh, the structure of the song is just as crucial as the lyrics. So, yeah. I mean, uh, it was and it was actually very amazing to see how she worked in that capacity. That is, that is super sure. interesting. Yeah. It is interesting because it's not very dissimilar to what I did when I was working with Brian Higgins uh, with Xenomania. Oh so, my gosh, yes. Cinemania. So like, you know, all them, that's the way he worked. He would get me on the microphone like on a song, on an instrumental for 10 minutes. Sing and every part. Literally just like, just sing and then he would like take 20 seconds he likes and that's like a middle eight for wow. something. It's like so, doing improv comedy or something. Totally. But like yeah. with music. Totally. And then editing it down what works right. and then that becomes, then you're just sat there like, 
don't remember singing that bit, but <laughs> <laughs> apparently, I just, apparently we did it. So thank you. <laughs> you should you should uh, somehow convince Girls Aloud to record another song with Zinamania, and you should help write it. Nadine is doing all that. Do, do you have any? Are, did you write anything with Nadine for her album? I don't know because well, the thing is, no, well, because because Bra- Brian has I'm melodies. I'm a huge fan of Nadine and Girls Aloud. Brian so. has melodies and hums from when I was about <laughs> fifteen ten years ago. So he, he can stored use away that in a hard leisure, drive. and then suddenly it's on a publishing sheet. Um, well, this is a uh, last question, okay. and uh, it's about my number one, Madonna. Of course. Um, I interviewed her when she was putting out the, well, when the Rebel Heart album leaked. Yes. And got her on the phone, and I was asking about you. Yeah. Because Living for Love had come out, and I'm like, is MNEK on this? She's like, no, he's not on this track, but we did record vocals with him for a remix that might come out. She's like, but I love him. He's amazing. And so talk about how that came together. How did you end up with Madonna? Um, was it like a writing camp sort of thing, basically? Well, see, that actually happened from... I had a session with Diplo. Um, it was one of my first sessions I had. I've worked with him on... We, we, the, thing, the funny thing is that we have two songs together, uh, the, Ma- the Madonna also, and the Beyonce yeah. song. So, uh, you know, we had a session, we wrote the song, and I guess like a few months later, we... I just, my, manager emails me and goes to Madonna wants to work and it's on an existing song I'm like okay what song is this Uh and it's just the Diplo song and so she's already made her changes to it and so she comes to London and she invites me to the studio to um, uh, for like vocal production to do some BVs and to do some uh, additional vocals so you hear hold tight and I'm there wow there's hold tight and hold up okay yeah. I'm just <laughs> hold um bear holding um and so I'm there doing my my ad lib thing <laughs> on the song but I co-wrote it and it's there and she was really lovely and really cool um and uh it was very nice of her to say that on the interview were, were you were you like a a, a fan of I mean you're, you're probably going to say yes of course I was but were you like a big fan of her music before you got to meet her or yeah yeah I'm a fan of Madonna's music. I, I've, there's a lot of music I've loved of Madonna's. I love, I love the Ray of Light album. Well, That's yeah. great. Mm. Frozen, I think, year is, anniversary. twenty year anniversary this year. I think Frozen, Frozen, and Nothing Really Matters are two of the best songs ever. So, I mean, I think they were both co-written by Patrick Leonard. I think maybe. Hmm. Did he do a Vogue as well? Or was that that was Shep Pettibone? That's it. Um, Patrick Leonard did most of like Like a Prayer and True Blue stuff like that. Got you, got you, got you. Yeah. Uh, um, well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for chatting. Thanks for having me. And uh, much success to you with the new single, the video, and the album that we can't wait to hear in full. Yes. Yay. Thank you. Thank you again to MNEK for coming by the office. It was so lovely chatting with him. Such a nice guy. Yes. Um, I remember when um, Alex Newell came in, like, oh, golly, a year or two ago. And we were asking him, because he wrote some songs with MNEK mm-hmm. for his EP. And we were asking him about how he worked with MNEK. And uh, he basically just said, like, I sat down with him. And MNEK was just like, tell me what's going on. What, what's stressing you out right now? And he was just like, I'm... I'm so fed up with boys. I'm so over boys. And he was like, all right, let's write a song about it. And then like within like an hour, they had like a great pop song. And there's just some people that are able to just 
just channel that. Just channel yeah. that. And I'm like, yeah. how do they do that? And he's been doing it since he was a teenager. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty just, magic. Just makes me feel woefully untalented. <laughs> Whatever. We're doing big things over here too, Keith. <laughs> I, I guess so, yeah. Um, and now it's time for the chart stat of the week. This week in 1985, Phil Collins' No Jacket Required album hit number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart. The set jumped from two to one on the list dated March 30th, 1985, and spent seven non-consecutive weeks atop the list. Uh, The Smash album, which would go on to win the Grammy Award for Album of the Year, contains four top 10 Hot 100 hits. One More Night, Susudio, both of which hit number one, Along with Don't Lose My Number and Take Me Home. You giggle. I just, the word, su, 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 it's like hard to like see it written and not say ah, it. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. It's like, susudio. Susudio? Is that really a word? Nope. It is now. It's totally not a word. <laughs> Shiseido? Um, well, Collins was tremendously popular in the 1980s, both as a solo artist and as the frontman for the band Genesis. Just how huge was Phil in the 1980s? So as a solo artist, he claimed 14 top 40 hits on the Hot 100 that decade. Plus, Genesis notched 11 of their own top 40 hits. So I know we can't technically count them together, but that's 25 top 40 hits that Phil Collins sang on in the 1980s. We can count them together. Yeah, basically, (laughs) if you lived through the 1980s, Mm -hmm. some part of your life was soundtracked by Phil and Collins' voice. Yes. it was a really, it was a lovely decade for pop music, <laughs> I just have to say. Um, so there you have it. This week in 1985, Phil Collins hit number one on the Billboard 200 with No Jacket Required. I have a hard time saying Phil Collins's, the, the possessive mm. S at the end. Just like say Sue, Sue, Studio. But I mean, as as like a copy person, because you're like an editor, it's like the Rolling Stones's, the well, Phil and, Collins's. And when you would write it, you would just do an apostrophe after the S, so it would just be the Rolling Stones. But like, it's hard to say that possessive Phil Collins. It Phil, looks Phil good, Collins. but it doesn't sound good. Yeah, it's just, how how do you mitigate that? Phil Collins's album. It turns it into a zizz. Yeah. It's just a bad it's just a bad thing. Scissors. Ooh, speaking of which, not on our script. I finally saw Black Panther this past oh, weekend. Good. I should have started at the top of the show. The with one that. week that it was not number one. I know, I guess Keith saw it. I didn't help it. Did you end up seeing Black Panther? I did Panther? not. I still haven't seen it. It's it's you know, it's it's really good. Oh, I can't wait. Um, and yeah, I can obviously. Uh, well, you can still <laughs> got go a baby. See it. Got you, a baby. It's you, hard to see movies. Yeah, I don't think you can take baby cow. <laughs> no, no, no one would um, like that. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of curious to see uh, um, how and if the music that Kendrick Lamar um, wrote and performed, mm. uh, specifically "Pray for Me." Um, if any of those songs will be eligible for the Academy Awards next oh. year. Like, I wonder, were they specifically yeah. written for the Because you film? talked a lot about how the album isn't, you know, included in, t- in its entirety in the film. Like, yeah. all those songs yeah, are not just like three a lot songs. of inspired by. Yeah, and I'm wondering, were these songs, like, because to get an Academy Award nomination, you have to have a song written specifically for a movie. Right. And I wonder, hmm, because I'm like, what if Kendrick Lamar is nominated for an Oscar next year? That'd be awesome. Wouldn't that be crazy? Yeah. Anyway, that was a digression. I'm so sorry. Um, so um, I guess that was my parting word. Um, what song should we go out on? Obviously some Phil Collins. Oh, good golly. Um, can we go on my favorite Phil Collins song? Susudio? No. Easy Lover. Oh, the Love one with, that song. with Philip Bailey, right? Love that song. All right, see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.